Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Evening Standard of the D1T in 5 for Thursday, July 13. Let's jump into today's top stories. After the recent NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee meeting, during which tournament expansion was discussed, NCAA Senior Vice President of Basketball Dan Gavitt remarked, The committee must be good stewards for the Division I Men's Basketball Championship. They are committed to doing their due diligence looking at a few different models to make an informed decision that's in the best interests of the championship, and that may very well include deciding against expansion. North Carolina AD Bubba Cunningham was selected as vice chair and will serve as chair in 2024-25, following SWAC Commissioner Charles McClellan's term in 2023-24. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey signs an extension that would keep him with the conference through 2028. Alabama President-slash-SEC President Stuart Bell said, During a time of great change in college athletics, Greg Sankey has been a positive force for advancing the SEC and a thought leader across the national landscape. The presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors of our institutions hold him in great regard, respect which he has earned through his years of excellent service. I appreciate his proactive and collaborative approach to leadership and look forward to working with him for many years to come. On threes Eric Prisbell camps with Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark, who says he'd be a little disappointed if membership isn't back at 14 within two years, with guiding principles for candidates including leadership, geography, cultural fit, athletic performance and brand upside. He wants to position the league to be a leader on innovation and access and says that, everything I do is all about getting on the minds of future student-athletes and doing things that will connect with that Gen Z demographic. On NIL, Yormark expresses a preference for a federal bill, thinks moving collectives under the umbrella of a department's fundraising foundation would be a burden, and, when advising membership on state law versus association rules, tells them they have got to adhere to NCAA policy, 100%. Disney CEO Bob Iger says of ESPN during an interview on CNBC, we want to stay in that business. That said, we are going to be open-minded there too, not necessarily about spinning ESPN off but looking for strategic partners that can either help with distribution or content, but we want to stay in the sports business. As for a potential move to direct-to-consumer, Iger says he is more certain about when that would happen, but declined to provide specifics. Iger also stated the company is open to selling or spinning off Disney's legacy cable networks and its broadcast group, which would not include the worldwide leader, stating, they may not be core to Disney. The ACC has inked a deal with the CW Network to air 50 football and basketball games every season through the 2026-27 campaign. In addition to 13 football games, the CW will broadcast 28 men's and 9 women's basketball games. These games will be featured in December, January and February with men's basketball doubleheaders taking place every Saturday afternoon. Women's basketball games will be played on Sunday afternoons. Raycom Sports will produce all games for the CW. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips said, The CW's national distribution will directly benefit our student-athletes, teams, alumni, and fans. The News & Brews Sports Biz podcast tackles financial intricacies of NIL collectives. On the recent Internal Revenue Service memo that could challenge tax-exempt status classification, James Moore's Ken Curzio writes, This is a shot across the bow coming from the IRS. 
Now, it's not certain how this will proceed because the IRS has approved many exemptions for these entities already and now, is kind of going back on it a little bit and questioning it, I think that if you are a 501c3 collective, you're going to need to pause and check with attorneys, accountants and others to figure out what to do next, whether that's to continue to receive contributions, and at the very least, not receiving them as tax-deductible contributions. As for other tax-related issues, the firm's tax partner Spiwak discusses a collective's obligation for funds received. When you think of ANIL Collective on its own, whether set up as tax-exempt or for-profit, you really have to look at its obligation in return for the income it is receiving. For example, if a collective is getting a pledge or contribution and that is its money to keep regardless of how and when it is used, it's income. If we have to delve into more of a contract type basis where if the money is received it can only be used for certain sports, or a promotional advertising purpose, and if it's not used in that way it has to be given back to the person or business who gave it, it may not be taxable income at that point and can be more of a restricted type asset. Thank you for tuning in to the Evening Standard of the D1T in 5 for Thursday, July 13th. We'll see you back here bright and early tomorrow morning.